Hello, welcome to the International Press Conference, sponsored by the International Common Law Court of Justice. It's January 15th, 2022. This announcement is going out to all of the global media and to the people of the world as a great cause of hope to people laboring under the COVID corporate police state. My name is Kevin Annett Eagle Strongboris, and I'm the Chief Advisor to the Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels and to its Prosecutor's Office. This is the court that lawfully disestablished criminal organizations in 2013 and forced the Pope uh, of Rome, Pope Benedict, out of office, along with three other guilty cardinals. Now, the verdict today has to do with the perpetrators of the COVID corporate police state. All of these documents can be found online at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. I'm reading today a summary of the judgment of the court that has resulted in the issuing of arrest warrants against 75 individuals, including the Pope in Rome, the Queen of England, Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, Emma Walmsley, the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline, and many other individuals named in the judgment of the court. Now, these organizations are now considered transnational criminal bodies because of their proven role in the crimes that we're going to enunciate now. The COVID vaccine is the product of medical genocide and the mass murder of children because of testing done illegally and against international law by these corporations over many years. And the solid evidence of that is now a matter of public record in the docket of the court. And as a result, arrest warrants have been issued today for the individuals named in the judgment of the court. Now, here's a summary of the court's judgment, which again, like you said, you could find online at the information included in this notice. The global corporate corporatocracy that has dismantled democracy and the rule of law has arisen from a tradition and as the latest phase of deliberate genocide and crimes against humanity against the people of the world by governments, corporations, and churches. These crimes reflect an ongoing criminal conspiracy by these powers to eradicate and enslave humanity, according to a master plan of global eugenics. Now, the International Common Law Court of Justice was convened under international law on September 15th, 2021, in the city of Vancouver, to bring criminal charges and judgment against the persons and corporations named on the two counts of the indictment, namely planning, committing, and concealing crimes against humanity, and committing or personally authorizing heinous crimes against certain targeted individuals named in the, the document, and those crimes included murder and attempted murder. Now, the accused persons and corporations named in the indictment include the CEOs of uh, Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceuticals, PetroChina, Weyerhaeuser, the heads of state and top officials of the government of Canada and China, the Crown of England and the Vatican, the top officials of the Roman Catholic, Anglican and United Church and Unitarian Churches, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Assembly of First Nations and First Nations Summit, and private individuals totaling 75 living people and 11 deceased defendants and their private estates. Now, these defendants were charged by the prosecution with ordering or personally participating in 15 specific crimes, besides a general offense of planning and committing genocide. Now, these specific crimes include, but were not limited to the following. The institutionalized kidnapping, rape, torture, trafficking, 
medical experimentation, drug testing, starvation, and murder of Indigenous and other children in the Indian residential schools and hospitals in Canada, and in present-day Catholic hospitals, foster care homes, and childcare facilities, with the full knowledge and sanction of Popes John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and Francis I, and the Queen of England. Also, the torture and murder of women, men, and children through experimental involuntary drug testing, sexual sterilization, pain threshold and mind control experiments, slave labor, trafficking, cult ritual torture and killing, and other forms of proven medical, physical, and biological genocide. Also, the systematic destruction of the buried remains of Indian residential school children and other children, and of evidence pertaining to their torture, suffering, and death upon the orders of the heads of the state and churches that we have mentioned. Also, the intentional murder of 15 named activists across Canada who were exposing these and other crimes of the defendants, and the ongoing targeting of the defendants' most prominent political opponent, Kevin Annett, for destruction and assassination. Also, the imposition of an unlawful political and economic tyranny over Canadians and all humanity under the guise of a fraudulent COVID public health crisis. Also, the deliberate poisoning and murder of Canadians on all of humanity through the illegal and mandatory imposition of experimental COVID so-called vaccines obtained through medical genocide and the mass murder of children and other test subjects. Also, the laundering of money and the trafficking in weapons, in drugs, in children, fetuses, and human organs, in partnership with and for the mutual profit and benefit of themselves and organized crime, corporations, banks, churches, and governments in North America, Europe, Southeast Asia, and China. Also, the harassing, silencing, and murder of witnesses to these crimes and actively obstructing justice in criminal investigations. And finally, the disrupting of the proceedings of the court, the harassing of the court's officers, and the targeting for assassination of not only Kevin Annett, but of the officers of the court. Now, after four months of adjudication, governed by due process, and in the absence of any response from the defendants to the summonses of the court, the court found all of the defendants guilty pro confesso on both counts in the indictment and on all charges. And the court sentenced all of the defendants to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole, also the loss of their assets and those of their respective corporations, and the disestablishment of these corporations as proven transnational criminal organizations. Now, as part of this lawful sentence, and in response to the proven medical genocide and mass murder conducted by the defendants, and especially Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceuticals, in developing the so-called COVID vaccine, the court prohibited all governments, churches, corporations, public health agencies, and medical personnel from buying, from promoting, or from using the COVID vaccines and other products of genocide and criminality on pain of being charged as accessories to a crime. Now, to enforce its lawful verdict and sentence, the court issued a universal arrest warrant, which can be found, as stated, at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. And this universal arrest warrant was followed by an expropriation warrant against the defendants, which authorizes court sheriffs, deputized police, and citizens to arrest and detain these defendants, to disestablish their corporations, and seize their assets, properties, and products, including 
the deadly COVID vaccines, for all of these are part of the avails of criminality and genocide. As part of this enforcement of the court's lawful verdict and sentence, the assets of the defendants are seized as financial reparations for genocide and for the damages inflicted by them on generations of children and on the defendants' victims and their families, including Kevin Annett and his children. The convicted defendants and their corporations are now disestablished criminal entities that under the law have lost the right to govern, to operate, or to engage in commerce. Any person or group who aids or abets or associates with these convicted persons or corporations or their products, like the COVID vaccine, are now accessories to crimes against humanity and can be arrested and charged under the terms of the court's judgment and warrants. Now, finally, the judgment and warrants of the court have the full force and effect of the law. They take precedence over all regulations, authorities, and agencies, and the police agencies of the world are obligated to help enforce these arrest warrants and the expropriation warrants. The police of the world must help seize the COVID vaccines as deadly products of genocide. These warrants and the judgment of the court can and must be used now to stop the spread of genocidal criminal actions and procedures, including the now outlawed procuring and administering of COVID vaccines and all the related measures. Now, this is issued today by the International Common Law Court of Justice, January 15, 2022. You can follow the work of the court and read the judgments and download the warrants and enforce the warrants from murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates and republicofkanata.ca under breaking news. The court has operated under the lawful jurisdiction of the Sovereign Republic of Canada in Canada and similar sovereign republics and common law jurisdictions all over the world. Stand by for more. Take action. Arm now with the judgment and the warrants of the court. This is Eagle Strong Voice. Kevin Annett. Stand by for more. And welcome to Here We Stand. It's January the 16th. This is Kevin Annett live. And a welcome to all of you new listeners, especially. We're here every Sunday at this time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the BBS Radio Network. Today's a special show. This is a, an explanation of some of the evidence, the specifications, and the outcome of the court's decision, the historic outcome. Now, I was just told by my operator that we have today listening in about a thousand times the normal level of live listeners. So this is being heard all over the world now, and I urge you to go to the bbsradio.com slash here we stand link. The show will be archived as of tomorrow. Please share that link everywhere because this is vital information. Now, just on a human level, I, <laughs> I'm very encouraged by this because, as you probably know, within 40 minutes of the verdict of the court going up on YouTube, it was taken down, wiped out, because you may or may not know that Google and YouTube are both owned by, guess who, GlaxoSmithKline, one of the defendants, the convicted felons now in the court decision. And so, obviously, they're <laughs> sought in their corporate interest to censor the truth. But in response, you've had this tremendous um, outbreak all over the world of people interested in this for the first time. So it shows you folks that when they come at us in one way, we come back in another. The truth will not be buried. And that's because it's a matter of life and death. 
the lives of children and all of us are on the line right now. This is not an abstract issue. This is affecting all of us, as you know. I don't have to tell you because you live through it every day, like all of us. I'm um, inspired by that quote by uh, Kenny O'Donnell when he said, "If the sun comes up every morning, it is because people of good wi- it's because of people of goodwill, and that's all that stands between us and the devil." Well, not only goodwill, folks, but right action must accompany that goodwill and knowledge of our own history. Now, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you some basic answers to a lot of the questions you've been sending away, because a lot of you are new to this. You don't know the history of the common law court that has been adjudicating these cases for a number of years, for the last decade. This, in fact, is the third case of the International Common Law Court of Justice. Now, what is the ICLCJ, I'm sure you're asking? It is a citizens tribunal of conscience under international law citizens citizens can form their own investigative bodies their own courts if the regular courts and governments are either not addressing an issue or complicit in the crime which of course in this case is the case and the first case was convened between july 2012 and february 2013 it was in the case of charges of genocide brought against the queen of england uh Pope Benedict at the time, the government and churches of Canada, and their corporate accomplices. That case went on for a number of months, and with the latest case, none of the people who were summoned ever responded, which under the law is an admission of guilt. It's called a pro-confesso admission of guilt. If you're not challenging or responding to things being said about you, you're agreeing with them. You're not challenging the truth of what's being alleged against you, and in many courts of law, that often results in an immediate guilty verdict against the defendants who don't respond. But we conducted the court, the recent court yesterday, whose outcome you heard, and the previous courts according to due process and the rule of law. Now, the uh, the outcome of that first case and the subsequent one, in which Pope Francis was also put on trial for being involved in ongoing child trafficking and murder, hard evidence of that, All of that resulted in the stepping down of Pope Benedict, uh, the present uh, spin campaign by the Vatican through Pope Francis to conceal these crimes. It shows you the impact of these uh, citizen tribunals. Now, you've asked, does the verdict have standing? uh, Will police enforce it? Yes, absolutely. The verdict of a citizen tribunal under international law has standing under the law, and other courts can issue arrest warrants based on our evidence. We have tremendous power when we do these investigative um, bodies ourselves, when we do our own court trials. And the police are obligated to enforce the, the arrest warrant. Now, I've had a living example of that. After the first case, we have gone into churches in Canada and acted on and seized church properties, especially the Catholic Church. Our indigenous allies have ordered Catholic churches off their territories using our arrest warrants. The police, every time, have stood back. They haven't helped us, but they haven't intervened, because we've told them, you're obstructing justice if you come between us and serving these warrants against convicted criminals. Now, so that, in other words, these are legitimate bodies. The evidence, of course, uh, if you go to murderbydecree.com, look under the caption that says video evidence. You'll see all of the evidence presented at the first tribunal. Now, the case that we we just tried is an extension of that. This is not a case that just fell out of the sky involving crimes by Big Pharma. This is the next phase in our prosecution of global genocide. The COVID state is guilty as charged and is sentenced to be disestablished. 
But this is an outcome of a whole history over the last decade and even before that, a long campaign in which I've helped uh, organizing Canada and spreading out from there all over the world for the last 25 years, showing the complicity of church, state, and corporations for these crimes against humanity. And um, in summary, the COVID police state is based on genocide. The drug, t- uh, the, co- the so-called vaccinations, uh, the injections being forced on everybody through complicit governments, medical bodies, doctors, and their big pharma string pullers. These are products of genocide and mass murder of children. We're going to go into the evidence of that today, but like I said, it's also online now at murderbydecree.com. It's a continuation of a proven crime against humanity. Secondly, we have an obligation and duty to lawfully convict and disestablish these bodies, as we've done, as of yesterday. And finally, this disestablishment can only happen under a new jurisdiction. And that jurisdiction within Canada and more and more all over the world is a separate common law republic, which can issue the arrest warrants, which can establish the courts. And so this movement isn't just happening in, the, in a vacuum. It's a result of a whole global movement in the face of the global corporatocracy, where there's no more rule of law, there's no more accountable government, any of those things that operated for a while, they don't exist anymore. There's this new COVID corporatocracy, and our response to it is to reestablish self-governance by, for, and of the people. That's how we really enforce these verdicts, by establishing our own sovereign jurisdiction. And it's, in effect, our response to the latest germ warfare being conducted on all of us. Now, before I get into some of the evidence, and I want to focus today especially on the, how the indictment affects us in relation to the COVID pandemic by focusing on the charges and evidence against the big pharma companies. And of course, by big pharma, we mean the top six, Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline, Roche, Novartis, Merck, and Eli Lilly. Now, all six of those have been actively involved in murdering children in drug testing experiments and in genocide all over the world. And we're going to go into the details of that. So first thing I'm going to do in that regard, and please uh, feel free to take notes. This is an ongoing dialogue. We're going to have more shows about this. Please tune in here every Sunday and read the stuff and listen to the stuff online because this is an ongoing education uh, for, for everybody. Um, the, as you know from the indictment, there were two pharmaceutical companies mentioned, Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline. Now, the reason we didn't name the other four is there's other cases pending against them. But to protect our witnesses, to protect the court, which, by the way, has faced serious attack, as have I and other witnesses, the court uh, that came out with the verdict yesterday was convened four months before that, September 15th, in Vancouver. But court officers, the magistrates, the prosecutor's office, myself, were facing continual attack. We had to continually relocate and um, to protect witnesses in that. So the other four big pharma companies will be prosecuted. It's a a series of cases and trials that will be launched. So we focus this time on Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline. The reason we did is because we have the most solid evidence about these corporations uh, and their two CEOs, Albert Borla and Emma Walmsley, respectively for Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline. We have the best evidence linking those individuals and corporations with the intentional genocide of indigenous children, especially in Western Canada, in collusion with the Chinese government and PetroChina. 
because in a nutshell, what's gone on is China has effectively taken over the entire west coast of Canada through uh, the Trudeau government's uh, Foreign Investment Protection Act, which is the first thing he brought into power when Justin Trudeau was elected. And FIPA, Foreign Investment Protection Act, allows China to station its troops on Canadian soil to protect its investments. Those investments now total $25 billion. They essentially own the province of British Columbia and its government. And some of our sources in that are members of the RCMP and the Canadian Security Intelligence Service themselves. And um, as the controlling interest on the West Coast, the Chinese government, in collusion with Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline and other parties that we've named in the indictment, they've been actively wiping out indigenous people all over the north. Because if you look at the lines uh, in, the, in the geographical centers of where a lot of indigenous women and families have gone missing over the last 15 years, it's all along the lines of liquid natural gas production lines owned by PetroChina. In effect, there are death squads operating in northern British Columbia by the RCMP, uh, Canadian military, and the Chinese military to wipe out indigenous people in the same way the British and the Americans have done on this continent. Uh, but now it's China's turn because they are the rising power in the world. Geopolitically, that's why the Vatican Bank is funding um, the Chinese government uh, more and more. And that's a whole separate issue. But this area, we have solid evidence on the ground. And don't forget, this is evidence from over a quarter of a century of not Internet research, but on the ground, interviewing of our witnesses, digging up mass grave sites, having our lives on the line and having lost 15 of our activists in the process. And that's another point in the indictment. Um, the murder of Krista Lynn, John Sargent, Mark Angus, and Carl Angus. That was during my time as a minister in Port Alberni. The first indigenous people who brought forward evidence of these crimes in the residential schools that was in the mid-1990s, they all died uh, under provable foul play, none of them using drugs, yet dying of, quote, drug overdoses while in hospital. Willie Sport, Archie Frank, Harriet Nahani, Louis Daniels, William Coombs. You know about William. He's the one who saw Queen Elizabeth take those children away, and then he died in St. Paul's Catholic Hospital of lethal injection of arsenic poison, according to his nurse, Chloe Kirker. Johnny Bingo Dawson, Harry Wilson, Ricky Lavalley, Edna Phillips, Ron Barber, and Pamela Holm. All of those individuals killed because they were involved in our movement and had personal knowledge of these links between China the churches and government of Canada, the Vatican, uh, and these pharmaceutical companies. So that's the rationale behind focusing on um, GlaxoSmithKline and Pfizer. Now let me get into that a little bit, uh, because the other thing we're going to do is at the break, we are going to, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to play a clip that came out of the first common law court case we did in Brussels, and it's the voice of eyewitnesses. Uh, because the first thing people say is, well, where are the living witnesses? Where's the proof? You're going to hear their voices. And this was taken from the evidence given to the first international common law court of justice in Brussels in 2012-2013 that forced Benedict out of office. And by the way, the reason Joseph Ratzinger is still hiding out in the Vatican is because he knows he can face arrest, because these warrants are valid and can be applied to anyone who's convicted. So... Um, that's, I mentioned the people who were the murder charges brought against these uh, individuals and corporations as well. But let me give you a little bit of background because it shows the connection 
between big pharma and these genocidal regimes over generations. Now, um, to give you some example of that, and I urge you to go to murderbydecree.com. That's the book that uh, we wrote in 2016 in response to the Canadian and church government cover-up uh, of the residential school massacre. They did their uh, the people who did the crime set up their own in-house investigation called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which didn't even allow people um, the right to name names. You couldn't introduce evidence that might implicate the churches. It was a completely controlled whitewash. So we wrote this book in response, murderbydecree.com. It's also in hardcover. If you go to Amazon, you'll see all of my books there under Kevin Annett, including Murder by Decree. And it's included all of the evidence, the hard evidence of genocide in Canada that is such a basic part of this court case that just was adjudicated involving Big Farm and the others. All of the evidence they left out of the, the sham TRC we have in this Murder by Decree book. So I urge you to, to look at that. But what, here's some um, things that are really important to remember. The drug testing that produced COVID and uh, Tamiflu drug for, you know, the swine flu, and all of these drugs that are being consistently pumped over, over the last 15 years. They were all t- tested on indigenous children first, and the majority of them died as a result of the drug testing. Places like Cooper Island Catholic Indian School on the west coast of um, uh, Canada, just off uh, Vancouver Island. Cooper Island was run by the Roman Catholic Church, and in 1938 and 39, Nazi doctors were coming there, um, eyewitnesses in Murder by Decree describe how they were given injections by German-speaking doctors that killed off most of them. The survivors described how this was done. Um, and we have from our research found that, yes, it was a Novartis and Roche Pharmaceuticals, all of whom had close ties with the Nazis. All six of the big pharma companies and their predecessors were heavily involved with Nazi experimental research. And then after the war, through Project Paperclip, all over North America, using children in these murderous drug testing and mind control experiments. Cooper Island, Lincoln Park Air Force Base, Calgary, Alberta, which was active during the 1950s. Uh, Yusuf Mengele and uh, Carl Rayner and other SS doctors were present there, according to Gail Barkley, the sole survivor of pain threshold experiments where children were tortured to death and were given numerous uh, drugs that killed them. Again, provided by Novartis, Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, its its predecessor, Glaxo. And um, another point on on this whole GSK thing, because as I mentioned earlier, it was GlaxoSmithKline that censored our broadcast the other day through its company, YouTube and Google. Um, And GlaxoSmithKline, its predecessor, it was actually set up in the 19th century by a guy called Henry Wellcombe. And there's a thing you can look it up, the Wellcombe trust. Now, the, uh, Henry Wellcombe was active on the west coast of Canada. He was an American who then took up British citizenship, but he set up the first lab experimental uh, facilities to try out drugs on living human beings. He set them up on the west coast of Canada. He was involved with an Anglican missionary called uh, William Duncan, who set up a, uh, a native community that was basically a concentration camp, totally run by the Church of England, where native people were brought in and used experimentally. And it was a secret facility that nobody knew about. Uh, and they, except the church and the government and the RCMP, and they were just churning dead children out of that place because of the drug testing going on between the founder of Glaxo and the Anglican Church. 
Similarly, uh, Anglican Church missionary John Sheepshanks was uh, inoculating the interior Chilcotin Indians all during the mid and late uh, 19th century with smallpox. 90% of them died, and then the church got the land that they had preempted. This went on and on. So drug uh, testing, inoculations, mass murder, genocide, church, state, and corporate uh, profiting off it, it's a long tradition in Canada and now at the hand of the Chinese. That's some taste of some of the evidence that's in the docket of the court. Now, I'm going to rest my voice here for a minute, for actually about eight minutes, and um, here are some voices from uh, indigenous people who survived these residential school death camps, and that's a misnomer. They were not schools. Nothing was ever really taught in them. They were internment camps where half the children died. Over 100,000 children died over a century in these places. A death rate higher than the slave trade or the death camps of Europe during World War II. And these are living eyewitnesses. You can find their stories, murderbydecree.com. And um, we'll be back after hearing this. Irene Favel, I'm 75. I went to a residence in school in Muskogon in 1941 to 1949. And I had a very, very rough life. I was mistreated in every way. As a young girl, she was seven year old. She was pregnant. And what they did, she had her baby. They, they took the baby, wrapped it up in a nice pink outfit took it downstairs. I was in the kitchen with the nun for cooking supper. They took the baby into the, uh, what do you call that, where they make a fire and all that to heat up the school, furnace room. They threw that little baby in there and burnt it alive. All you could hear was, that was it. And you could smell the, the, you know, the flesh cooking. Uh-uh. It's a big mistake when people say we were treated good. No way. So after my brother got better, he needed to go back to the mush hole. And we didn't go back for that next year. But it was some time after that, during the time that, um, that we were out of school for the summer, that he had, and we were going to go back. And he told, he said, you know what happened to all of those kids that were there at the mush hole? He said, do you remember that? And I said, yeah. I said, our, our dorm was just full of girls. And he said, yeah, so was ours full of boys. And he said, um, did you, uh, do you remember, do you know what happened to them? And I said, no. And he said, they called in the army and they, and they took them to the army base and they, and they shot them. They stood them all along this big hole, and they shot them. And was, as as um, when the bullets hit them, they fell into the into the uh, hole. And um, and he says, when they were all done, he said, those that that had hadn't fallen into the hole, uh, some of them were still alive. He said, some of them were still alive in the hole. And he said they came along. And, I want to say a bulldozer. That what comes to my mind, but I'm not really sure that my brother had said a bulldozer. They came along with a big machine anyway, and they and they shoved them all in that big hole and they covered it up. And um, and he says, um, 
that's what happened to them. And I must have been about eight, I guess, or seven or eight, somewhere through there. Let's see, that must have been 43 or 44. Uh, here we are, second day of the dig near the mushroom. And this is an area about 100 yards from the school where we found consistent bone samples. And these regular types of buttons, probably off of, well, clothing obviously, but the interesting thing is here and at the Glebe site, they're of the same style as if they're off a standard uniform or something. Could be a child's button off a school mm -hmm. uniform. Scary. Finding those little skulls in there. What were those little skulls? Where did they come from? Could you describe what they look like? Tiny little ones. Two little skulls. Tiny baby ones. And they're in here. I feel that fear we had running upstairs to that door. And uh, I spent five years in the uh, well, uh, Canadian government calls the residential schools, but really these were prisoner of war camps. I was one in the one called the Mohawk uh, Institute. Starved us, beat us, froze us. And uh, it, it was horrific. There was no controls in the place. Kids were always getting beat up or being put through various torture uh, uh, rituals. A lot of the kids were tortured in there. They were made to hang off uh, hot pipes until uh, they couldn't hold on anymore and they just fell to the floor from the roof. And uh, they were beaten. Whenever someone felt like it, uh, made to hold on to electric fences. Were... And the ministry found out I was pregnant and they told me to have an abortion. And after I have the abortion, to have a tubal ligation so I won't have any more children. They said if I didn't, didn't um, have a tubal ligation, then I would never see my daughter Patricia again. Furnace going burning 24-7, which was totally out of bounds, and, uh, and me and a friend uh, witnessed uh, two of some, the uh, sisters or brothers uh, taking uh, look like little bodies under uh, white uh, wrappings or white cloth and uh, putting into the uh, uh, putting into the uh, furnace. And the queen came visited visit for about three days, uh, two, three days, I don't know how long it was, I think it was about three days actually, and a lot of children went missing there. Many children uh, that, that weren't cooperative, um, like myself, uh, wasn't cooperative, and they were put into uh, the, uh, with the children who were sick with, with uh, at the, end of the uh, dormitory 
they kept the sickies there, the ones who were sick with tuberculosis, and um, they they put me and my brother Ernie in with with the ones who were sick because uh, because we wouldn't comply. In the same room with people who had TB, um, they didn't separate but us. Then we were forced to play with them. The nuns made us play with those kids. We didn't want to get sick either, but they they were forcing us to play with those kids. And also, they made some of them sleep with the other kids. I would have loved to have seen the, uh, the perpetrators uh, severely punished for all of this. And I would, the, the greatest thing I'd, I would want to see is the Church of England get barred from practicing in Canada. It's just insane. Like, you don't murder children and get away with it. And I work every day to protect children, and it just really bothers me that, that so many of our children have been killed, and, and nothing's ever been done about it. Like, you read about it, and, and there's information on it all over the place, but nothing's ever been done about it. So why should these people, the churches and the government and Indian Affairs, were all in on this as well, why should they get away with killing our children? It's just not right, and something needs to be done about it. Those are the voices of the Canadian Holocaust, the Canadian Genocide. Now, for those of you who don't know, the last of those death camps that they still call residential schools didn't close till 1996. And in fact, today, there's just as many Indigenous children ripped away from their families and dying at a young age. There's five times the number of children alienated from their families than ever were in residential, the so-called residential school era. Now they're in white foster homes, but the chance of being trafficked and killed in a foster home is something like 600 times the level on the west coast of Canada than if they stayed in their regular family. So that genocide is continuing, and that's the whole purpose of these court trials, to show how the crimes of the past, because they weren't stopped, are continuing on today. Now, an example of how it's continuing today, let's talk about these two big pharma companies that have consistently profited profited off the genocide you were talking that you were hearing about um, one of the women mentioned about being sterilized uh, ordered by the uh, social welfare department in Vancouver actually North Vancouver she said she had to have her uh, a tubal ligation to be sterilized if she wanted to see her children that's an unstated policy in Canada indigenous people are continually told that they have to agree to sterilization um, if they want to receive money, if they want to see their children, etc. Because under the law, they're not citizens. They're what's called wards of the crown. And uh, under the Indian Act, any native person can be killed, and there's no legal consequence, so they're perfect test subjects. And that's exactly what's still going on. In the West Coast especially, which is the major war zone, and where these big pharma and China are active. Now, let's talk about Pfizer, which is one of the chief uh, perpetrators here. Albert Borla, CEO. In fact, he's the front man um, and the future people who will be indicted because this is going to be a whole separate uh, war crimes trial involving other big pharma companies, as we mentioned. Pfizer itself, it's the biggest pharmaceutical company in the world, but it's owned by two other groups, by Vanguard Group and BlackRock investors. Now, Vanguard and BlackRock are the two largest investment firms in the world. Their total assets total $16.5 trillion, and they're the ones who own the biggest pharma company, the, pharma, the company that's putting out all these 
COVID injections. Uh, like the Vatican Bank, they're a closed group. There are no outside investors. Essentially, three other people run it. Frank D'Amelio, John Douglas Young, and Michael Dalstein. And these are future people to be indicted. But one of the things Pfizer does, along with Roche Pharmaceuticals and Novartis, is they're working heavily with the Chinese government in China in their organ trafficking business. Here's how they do it. This has been written up in a number of different periodicals as far back as 2012. As you know, or may not know, since uh, the latest figure of organ trafficking in China shows, and this was in January 2020, 70,000 organs are trafficked every year because Muslims and Falun Gong practitioners are being slaughtered on demand for their organs. That's a direct quote from a human rights group that investigated this. Now, that's exactly what goes on in Canada. Indigenous people are slaughtered for their organs. When I was part of the downtown Eastside Community Task Force and Missing People in 2001 and two, off-duty RCMP officers confirmed to us that the bodies of indigenous women who were found were missing their organs, were missing eyes, kidneys, hearts, lungs. But that was swabbed out of the police report and, of course, the media report. It never made it into court. So what's interesting, too, is the one of the directors of PetroChina is the same general who sits on the governing council in China that traffics organs of Falun Gong, of political prisoners, of the thousands of people killed every year to get their organs. And sometimes these organs are taken out while people are still alive. Well, Roche, Pfizer, Novartis, and GlaxoSmithKline do the following. They provide drug testing trials on organs that are trafficked. So they kill the person, they send the organ to the big pharma, and then they do trial uh, testing, tissue testing in that on these organs to see if they're healthy. They also provide tissue sampling technology, drug testing technology, and transplant technology for China, uh, their organ trafficking team. So they're working right in the prisons killing people and then trafficking and testing their organs to make sure they're healthy. These are the same companies that are pushing the COVID injections on everybody. These are genocidal companies, not just killing indigenous children 10, 20, 30 years ago, but actively right now killing people as we speak. That's the basis of their indictment, and that's why people like Albert Borla, Emma Walmsley, and these other individuals who will be facing trial soon that's why they can and should be arrested on the spot right now. Now, in future shows, we're going to give you details about how our sheriff teams are doing that, how you can be deputized, how you can take part in this. Because we have the right to go into the big corporate headquarters and shut them down, take them over, take over their assets. That's the law. You can read it, Transnational Criminal Organization Act, passed. I know the United Nations is part of the cabal, I'm going to hear you say, but... At the agency, there are people active in it, at the UN, and these are standing international laws that if the system isn't going to enforce them, we will enforce them, we the people. The Transnational Criminal Organization Act of 2000 says that a convicted criminal body and their CEOs not only will be facing arrest, but their assets have to be seized because they're being used for criminal purposes and all of their products, including the COVID shots. This that's the importance, the revolutionary importance of what happened yesterday, because these warrants can arm us now to stop the COVID corporate police state. We have a lawful legal basis to do that now. Now, um, in the 15 minutes left, I want to touch on some important things. And like I say, 
tune back next Sunday at the same time because this is an ongoing educational and organizing effort. Don't forget this program, and we've been on the air for six years now under the sovereignty of the Republic of Canada. We'd be part of the movement to establish a separate common law jurisdiction in Canada to put these criminals on trial and disestablish the Catholic, Anglican, United Churches, the Government of Canada, and the Crown Agencies. That's the only way to convict them, is to have a separate jurisdiction. We've been on the air under the auspices of the Republic for six, going into our seventh year now. And just check our bbsradio.com slash who we send site. All of these shows, with all the evidence, will be online there for you to listen to. But of course, the purpose of the show is not simply to educate. Because, you know, in the Internet age, we often think reading information is doing something. No, it's just equipping you to begin to do something. We are organizing people actively in cell groups, in common law assemblies, in common law courts to take action and take back our communities because that's the only way, folks, that we're going to have safety for our children in the future is to take back the power on every level, not just politically and personally, but lawfully through our own courts. We have the right under common law to do that, and we'll get into more of that in the future. But uh, more on, um, we don't want to leave out our friends, or not friends, but, you know, those people at GlaxoSmithKline. As I mentioned, they've had a long history of being involved in genocide in the west coast of Canada. Um, And uh, Emma Walmsley, who lives in England, they've got their main headquarters uh, just west of London. And uh, the arrest warrant has gone out about against Emma and her uh, Confederates, but uh, GSK has had a very long history as well. As a matter of fact, here's a little thing you might not know: Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, Merck, and Eli Lilly, and these are all for the people, the groups named as criminal conspirators. They have faced more lawsuits going up to 2016 than any company in the world for death and malpractice. Uh, Pfizer, GSK, Merck, and Eli Lilly have been fined a total of $11.5 billion for doing things like causing death because of their drugs, causing disease, being involved in fraudulent um, uh, corporate conspiracies, and obstructing justice, actually silencing evidence. So again, even on that you know, financial front, these are convict, you know, convicted criminal conspiracies. Another thing about Roche Pharmaceutical, you should know, and again, this was an, uh, it was called Roche Hoffman originally, and, um, uh, you know, active in, in Nazi Germany like all the other ones were. But uh, they produced this thing uh, called the BZ or BZ drug in 1951. It was an aggression drug sponsored by the U.S. military as a way to get um, soldiers to be naturally aggressive and to kill each other or anyone in their past. Uh, when they were given this BZ drug. It was developed at the Edgewood Arsenal in Maryland by Roche and the, and the U.S. military from a Nazi prototype drug. Now, if you work on the streets of Vancouver anywhere, a lot of Native people are dying from this thing called fentanyl. It's a painkiller, but it causes a lot of death. Well, guess what? It's a derivative of this BZ drug. The test subjects that it was first tested on were soldiers. Um, there's a movie out called Jacob's Ladder, based on this idea this this guy suffered after his platoon was given the BZ drug. They went wild and killed each other rather than the Viet Cong. Uh, well, it was tried out not only on soldiers, but in orphanages, Catholic orphanages, um, Indian residential schools and hospitals. And it was even uh, pushed by Obama's former Attorney General Eric Holder, who in 2012 came up publicly and said he was in favor of mass sterilization of the uh, American and world population. 
All of this information came out in the court trial brought by former soldiers, which, of course, was thrown out of their court system. That's why we needed an R court system, folks. But fentanyl was developed out of this BZ drug. Now, fentanyl in Vancouver has killed a lot of Native people. The Nurses of Providence Healthcare, which is the agency that killed William Coombs, who saw Queen Elizabeth take those kids, they killed him with arsenic poisoning, according to Chloe Kirker, the nurse on duty. Um, fentanyl was pushed. It literally, uh, Providence Healthcare nurses, walk, and I've seen them do this, they go around the streets and they shove needles in the arms of homeless Native men, especially. Racial targeting, they don't do it to white homeless, just Natives. Fentanyl developed by Roche and these other pharmaceutical drugs as a genocidal drug, basically, to kill off people. Again, sponsored by the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, uh, the present Pope, all involved in it. As a matter of fact, um, the, the Vatican has investments of over $11.6 billion in big pharma and all of these genocidal agencies. So again, you know, it goes on and on. So... Um, there's a lot of information here to take in. I know it's a lot when you first hear this. So I urge you to kind of listen to the show again when it's online tomorrow and, and make notes about this. There's a lot more, frankly, I, I was going to get into today, but we have an hour every week. We have other um, broadcasts that we're going to be putting out through new platforms, not YouTube, of course, um, which is big pharma. Um, but... The, this education has to be combined with action. So along with this, we want to ask any of you who want to take the step from simply listening to doing something about this for your own sake and your children and your neighbors to contact us, itccsoffice at protonmail.com. Now, ITCCS is the International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State. It was established in Dublin um, in the summer of 2010 because after I was... Uh, basically shut out of Canada after we forced the Canadian government to admit to genocide and issued their pseudo-apology in 2008. After that, uh, me and the movement that I engendered in the 1990s was totally censored out of the press, and we were pretty much blackballed. I was at that point invited to come over to Europe, to Ireland, to where people were survivors of, of Catholic Church genocide in that country, invited me over. And at a meeting in Dublin, June 15, 2010, we set up this international tribunal to unite victims of church and state across borders. And it's that tribunal that went on to set up the common law court that put Ratzinger, uh, this present Pope Bergoglio, and uh, the present, the third case that you heard about that, uh, you know, was concluded yesterday. All of that sponsored by the International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State. Now, of course, you undoubtedly see on the pharma-controlled websites and Internet a lot of attacks coming down on us. And it's interesting because the more successful we tend to get, the more the attacks come down. But don't forget, smear campaigns and black ops tend to help us over the long run because they're designed to scare people off. Uh, they focus on individuals and gossip and name-calling rather than hard evidence. So often I say to people, well, address the evidence. Don't talk about me. I'm just a messenger here. Talk about the evidence, the hard evidence. How do you respond? And they never want to do that. I remember in the, the year of law I took uh, before leaving in disgust because I couldn't <laughs> tolerate the environment of UBC Law School. But um, they taught us in legal procedure class that if you're in court, and all of the evidence is against you, you attack the credibility of the witnesses. Well, you might have noticed over the last number of years, these genocidal corporations and churches and governments, they never address the evidence. 
They only attack individuals. They attract me. They attack me and other people. It's what I call in one of the books I wrote the uh, whistleblower training manual. Um, the, I call it the three D's. Guilty parties use uh, divide, distract, and discredit. You divide people by pitting them against each other. You know, by rumor mongering and black ops. You uh, distract by getting them to look at something else. And you discredit by not only attacking people, but creating false evidence and that kind of stuff. But we stand, everything we're doing is on solid evidence, not gossip, not hearsay, not rumor on the Internet. People, living people's eyewitnesses, like you heard at the, at the half-hour mark, those living eyewitnesses, the hard evidence of everything I've been talking about, murderbydecree.com. And it's interesting, we had to go put that book online because wherever we put it in Canadian libraries, the copies would vanish, and they still do. And then the librarians say, gee, I don't know what happened to that book. <laughs> so relying on the, the Internet connection. But like I say, you can order it through Amazon. Uh, put my name in, Kevin Annett, um, and you'll see how to order that on all my other books. But it's also murderbydegree.com to be downloaded free. Nothing I write is copyrighted. It's all out there for public use because this is our lives and the lives of children that are on the line. So I've got about... Uh, Oh, how much time do we have left? Six, seven minutes. I want to just like a few practical notes here. Uh, again, tune in again next week. Share this. Contact me personally, if you like, angelfire101 at protonmail.com. And the tribunal and the court, you can contact at ITCCS office at protonmail.com. Uh, one of the things we'll be doing is focusing a lot on enforcement. Now, we're not, I focused a little bit on Big Pharma today because of the great relevance to the whole COVID police state. But um, there's a lot of other people who are named in this, including the heads of the Chinese companies and government that we mentioned, church and government people in Canada, and uh, the Pope, of course, and his minions. Uh, Bergoglio himself, President Pope Francis, is directly implicated in the murder and trafficking of children, including when he was a uh, Archbishop in Argentina, working with the military junta there to traffic the children of political prisoners. That's from his own priest, that's from people within the church, and there's a lot of dirt on the present guy uh, that we, in fact, believe that he's on the verge of um, stepping down, is the term they use, health reasons. You know, they have to always use these false reasons for it to cover, create camouflage around the crime. But the individuals even don't matter. They have to be named under common law in the court trial, but we're out to disestablish the systems, the institutions, the big money, the ways of thinking and acting that are responsible for these genocidal crimes. That's really our mandate as the ITCCS and why we set up the Republic in Canada. And by the way, the, the idea of the common law republic with its own courts and jurisdiction is spreading everywhere. It's now in 11 countries. Uh, in Australia, there's a massive common law republic movement uh, uh, sparked by my books, the, a guy, Mike uh, Holt, who set it up and has now operated in dozens of towns all over Australia, uh, based it on the book in my common law training manual. So this is a seed that's really sprouting now. I was just on a Zoom call with people in Russia and Sweden who are setting up the same common law courts to put their perpetrators on trial. So this is a great movement that's spreading, and I want to put that out on a very human level to all of you listening to know that out of our adversity comes triumph if we don't give up. Because the thing about going through bad times is that they're the great educator. If you overcome your fear of suffering and pain, persecution, 
you learn from them. You become a veteran. You can inspire others. And we become strong in a way that we can't be touched. I mean, 25 years later, I'm doing this work. Um, they've done everything short of killing me, which they actually tried to do through chemical poisoning this last year, which uh, I didn't get into. Uh, we can talk about that. But um, what came out of all of that is a recognition that we have it within ourselves to create a new world. If we don't give up, and we don't give in to the two weapons the adversary has, which is fear and ignorance, because they have no power in an there, it's almost like a parasite energy entity that lives off our energy. And we learned that in practice. We forced popes out of office. We forced Canada to admit to these genocidal things, even though there were only two dozen of us all in the campaign, because we didn't give up, and we stood on the truth, and we hit them where it counted. We went into churches on Sunday morning. We affected the two things that the powerful are always worried about, their public image and their money. Where after that, you win if you don't give up. And this is what we're all about here. We're about training people to apply what you've learned today and apply the warrants and the judgments of the court. Now, please share all of this information wherever you can. The, uh, the thing about the evidence in the court is that it's being assessed in, as to how much can be released right away and how much is going to be used in the future trials. Because if you release, release evidence too soon, people die. It's why we don't release the identities of the magistrates or the prosecutor. Um, right away, because that way their lives are at risk in a big way, as are the witnesses and the people who depend on them. So our effort here is aimed not at trying to prove anything to anyone or our public image. It's about stopping these crimes once and for all. And in, uh, in a war situation, you have to outthink your enemy. When they're bigger than you, and Sun Tzu teaches us that in the, in the art of war, which we rely on a lot, in a... When you're up against a bigger adversary, you don't outfight them, you outthink them, you outflank them. You strike at what they love, not where they're strong, but where they're weak. And we've been employing this for the years, and it's got results. It's one. Our methods work, and this is what they don't want you to learn from and copy. They would rather get everyone afraid of Kevin Annett and the ITCCS and run away from this truth, because that's the only weapon they have, fear and ignorance, and us fighting each other. Well, the time folks are fighting each other is over. Even these pathetic individuals like Albert Borla and Emma Wamsley, they are controlled. Their minds and their hearts and their spirits are controlled by something they don't even understand. And that's another aspect of what we're going to talk about, the spiritual dimension of this work. And I do mean that, don't mean that in a religious way. I mean that in an existential way. What we're up against feeds off human energy and lives and the lives and the innocent. And the ones at the top of the system in government, in big pharma, they're the most controlled. They're the most ignorant. They're the most pathetic. We don't have to listen to them or their media anymore. We turn away from them, ignore them, and take back that power now. So this is the show for today. I thank you all and love you all for tuning in. Share this show, murderbydecree.com. We're here next Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern at bbsradio.com slash here we stand. This is Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice. Thank you. Carry it on. Stay strong. Stay clear.